This is one of the better fish that I've seen. It's long, it's shiny, it's translucent. It looks like a precious gem. I really like your fish. This one upset me. I don't think it was a flattering picture of you or of your fish. Um, I wish you would have chosen a different angle. I hate this fish. This is the worst fish I've ever seen. Um, I, I hate, I hate your fish so much. Good morning, sweet world, and welcome to the No Dunks podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Tuesday, August 18th. Here we go. I'm J.E. Skeets, and joining us thanks to the power of technology, even though technology can be a real bitch sometimes. <laughs> Tass Mellis. Hey, everybody. What's up, Tassie? We've got the bearded one, Trey Kirby. hey yo. Hey, yo. Last but not least today, making the magic happen is JD. Hello. There he is, and here we are. No international man of mystery today, but don't you worry. Lily will be back tomorrow. Shout out to everyone joining us live right now on YouTube. Uh, what happened there? I don't know. I just got booted from this thing right while we went live, and then my internet crapped out. <laughs> Was I just staring at the camera for a good three minutes? You just disappeared. The ah. second you were about to start talking, you just went away. Hmm. That's unbelievable timing. That's okay. Guys, moving forward, this should be our schedule, though. Recording the podcast live at 10 a.m. Eastern on YouTube, flipping it into a podcast. That includes weekends. That is the plan here, at least least through the first couple of weeks of these playoffs. So keep your emails and your comments coming, too. Especially even here in the chat, we can bring in your fun stuff. But email us in, nodunksattheathletic.com. All right. How's everybody feeling after uh, one day in of playoff basketball? Everybody okay? I feel good. I feel yeah. good. It's a little bit of normalcy. It's August. Weird. But uh, yeah, it feels good to grind out a, a 10-hour day watching playoffs. Other people have real problems getting a little sleepy in games three and games four and, and just kind of zoning out of even game two. Thanks, Raptors. Uh, it, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. But yeah, you just got to battle. It's a tough grind. Real tough grind. <laughs> yeah, well, someone's got to do it. Someone's got to be the hero that we are. Um, yeah, we're going to go through all four of these games. Uh, that will be the plan here today. We're going to play a little It's Just One Game But. Let's start with the Western Conference games. We'll make our way to the Eastern Conference games. First one, let's start with the nightcap. Tass, uh, you said it. I My eyelids were struggling a little bit, but I was happy because it was an entertaining game at the very least. You don't want a sleeper. You don't want a boring game for that last one, or then you're really in trouble. But the Clippers, they hold off Luka Doncic and the Mavericks after Porzingis gets tossed. Clips win game one, 118-110. So, fill in the blank, Tass. It's just one game, but... I don't want to be dramatic, but it's just one game. But this series is over. They had to get game one. Luka Doncic was incredible. He is going to get worn down as this series goes on. That's just bound to happen. Montrez Harrell, who hasn't played since March, is going to get better. Lou Williams, who got some wangs in Atlanta and missed some time, is going to get better. I, I think all those factors there uh, just combined... Plus the way that uh, the Clippers are going to play Luka over and over and over again, all combined to the fact or to the result for me that this series needed to be won uh, by the Mavs here in game one. If they're going to win it, they had to get game one. And yeah, let's get to that that friggin' call. And I don't want to start off our first real playoff show talking about a call. 
but it was absolutely the wrong call. It's just one game, but those rules don't make sense. <laughs> I mean, it set the scene. Kristaps Porzingis gets a technical in the first half because he air punches after he was upset about a call. Okay, the rule is you can't punch the air. You can complain going up and down the floor like Patrick Beverly did or other players did in this game. But if you're just talking, that's okay. An air punch is too demonstrative. They don't like that. Fine. That's the rule. Right. He's got a tech. Second half, Marcus Morris holds on to Luka Doncic after a whistle. And so Kristaps Porzingis comes in to have a little chat. That's all that happened. He didn't shove anybody. There was a, a tiny bit of a skirmish. And then he's given his second technical. His second technical means you're ejected. And I just I wonder, one, if the referees knew that he was being ejected, if that was his second technical when they decided, well, this is against the rules. He can't come in and join this uh, this little skirmish. He was the you know he was the retaliator, I guess, because he was sort of the third party in there. Did they know he that escalated was escalated things, even though nothing escalated? <laughs> That's the weirdest right. part. Yeah, right. Yeah, did he? He didn't escalate things. Yeah, absolutely yeah, nothing exactly. happened. And, and so the refs, whether or not they talked to you know the scorekeeper and found out that that was his second tech before making that call or whether they found out hey that's a technical foul and then it walked away and then they realized oh he's being ejected oh we, we can't go back on our word either way it was dumb or they're trying to get uh, a handle on this series in game one it was dumb so yeah you take out your second their second best player uh, if that's the letter of the law it's just one game but change the rules Mm -hmm. i mean that was that was just terrible to take off the second best player on the floor there for the last half of the game yeah what'd you think trey i mean it's just one game but nobody came to see kane fitzgerald those are just brutal technicals honestly and like you're saying tass uh steve javi explained a bit later they are technically technicals Uh, Because you can't flail your arms, you're allowed to run away. You're allowed to jump up and down, but you cannot involve your arms when you're protesting a call. The 2C slide is fine, but do not try the Macarena. Just brutal uh, to take Chris Stapps out of the game. Um, And once that happened, it just changed the tenor of the game where you knew that it was going to have to be the Luka show, even more so for uh, Dallas to pull off an upset in Game 1. And getting a win in Game 1 is huge. It really changes the series, especially with no home court advantage. You're not going to be getting the advantage of stealing home court from the Clippers or anything like that, but the fact that you're playing all in the same gym, if you can get a win in game one, you only need three more from there on out. It's a, it would have been a great start for the Mavericks, but that's why you get Marcus Morris, I suppose. You know, he was pretty good defensively. He yeah. was solid offensively, but his biggest contribution was getting Chris Stapps riled up and getting him ejected because the refs have to know that Chris Stapps already has a technical foul. If you can't keep track of that for an hour and a half, then you're probably not going to be reffing in the playoffs. But that's what Marcus Morris is out there for. That's what Chris Stapps said after the game. I got to be a little bit smarter. And that's true. They were dumb technicals, but when you've got the first one, you've got to really be walking the line. And you know guys like Marcus Morris and Patrick Beverly are going to try to get you to cross the line. Uh, that's what happens in your first game of the playoffs. The emotions got to Chris Stapps a little bit, despite the fact that he wasn't super emotional. No, things didn't that's, really yeah, pop off. He but didn't pop off. The letter that's of the, the law. Thing. He wasn't that emotional. That's the part that drives me insane. And here's the other part. This was all an issue because the play was under review for altercation. This is when replay really botched this game. There was no reason to go look at that. None. Absolutely none. Okay, Morrison, Luca getting into it there. Yeah, oh, the classic give me the ball type thing. No, it's mine. You know, a little push, push, push. And then in comes Chris Stapps. And then Morris really pushed him. But they go and look at it and then have to decide. I can't believe they looked at that 
That clip we've seen like a hundred times already by now. And they decided, oh, okay, we'll just give him the double T. Knowing, like you said, Trey, that Porzingis already has one, which is already a really questionable call in the first half on a clean block. And yeah, he air punches. You see all the other Mavericks on the floor on that call, on the first tech for Porzingis? Everybody reacts. It's almost like a perfect in sync. I almost sent to Worldwide Wob. You had like four Mavericks going crazy over, like, wow, you guys called that a foul? That was a block. Yeah. But that's allowed. That's allowed to throw your two hands up into the air. I know. Like Chris or like Luca did after uh, one call that he was whistled for, uh, which was a a beauty strip slash block. And he called it bull pucky. And he yelled it as loud as possible. uh, And everybody in the building saw his red face and saw him very furious. But because he didn't throw a quote unquote air punch, uh, he doesn't get a tech. I, I, I don't like the fact that when referees know, um, you know, they bend the rules later in, in, in because a guy has a tech and, and will not give him a second tech. Like, it just didn't warrant a second tech. And so I don't think no, you even had right. to bend the rules. Right. And, and so that's the really unfortunate part. And it, they were probably, uh, like you said, uh, Trey, people don't come to see the referees. Uh, as Joe Varden pointed out, the only ejection LeBron James has ever had was by that same uh, official. And maybe they're trying to get a hold of this series because it's day one of this crazy new iteration of the playoffs and they just don't want anything to escalate. But man, Chris Stapps, should you not defend your teammate? Uh, like I am going to teach my children and my kids, if they play a sport or anybody that I know to play a sport, to come to the defense of a guy who is you know, being talked to really by another player. I'm just going to have that my my kids jump in there and say, hey, don't mess with my dude. And yeah. that's all yeah. Kristaps Porzingis did. And Marcus Morris, yeah, played. The trade was worth it to this point. The, the, the trade that they made in February for Marcus Morris, as you said, it's perfect. It's a perfect storm there for Marcus Morris. It's terrible. Oh my God! Well, let's talk a little bit about yes. the game because we all agree it was horrible. He shouldn't have been tossed. I can't. I haven't found anyone that's like, "Yep, that was a good, uh, good decision there <laughs> to actually throw him <laughs> out." Who knows? Porzingis Except for Steve gotten... Javi. Steve Javi definitely had the refs back. Shocker. Uh, that actually is a fair call. Way to fact check me on that. Yeah, let's go to Steve Javi's opinion. Yeah, I think the referee absolutely got it right. Also, rest in peace to Steve Javi, who saw him, died in 2011, but his ghost is back. That was a weird graphic how they did that. Um, let's talk about the actual game, though. Uh, you know, Luca definitely getting knocked around by the Clippers. They had a lot of guys they can throw at him, though he was embarrassing some of them. Patrick Beverly, sorry, buddy, you're too small. He was cooking him anytime uh, he was matched up onto him. But what did you think about the rough start, Tass, for Luka? A lot of turnovers, look flustered. I mean, they're down huge. And, you know, then he rolls the ankle and sort of comes back, gets a retaped, and then he's like Superman for basically the rest of the game. I mean, he had a dominant game, 42 points, most ever in a playoff debut. Like... It's it's a bummer that we had to start with the KP because you got Luca doing this yeah. and Kawhi dominating this game as well. Just you know the quiet assassins uh, Kawhi was, but what do you think of Luca overall? Yeah, I debated whether or not to start uh, predominantly with that referee call, but they really changed the fourth quarter of this game when yeah. Luca was still carrying the team on his back. It was a phenomenal performance. Yeah, his first playoff game, even though he's been playing essentially playoff game since he was the age of Coco Goff in, in Europe. <laughs> like he has had a lot of pressure on his shoulders and it showed that, yeah, look, he looked at the box score after the game and he said, wow, 
double digits and turnovers, that ain't right. But come on, he's got all these bodies coming after him and the ability to still score and find guys with amazing passes. Yes, um, there were some mistakes, but I thought Luca's performance was great. They also, in that first half, when Luca went to the bench, uh, th- th- those were terrible minutes um, for the Mavs, and I think they corrected it a little bit in the second half. Instead of having a backup ball handler when Luca is off the floor control things like a DeLon Wright in the first half when things went really bad, they just decided, you know what, let's give a little bit more to, uh, to our center, to Boban, who has taken Kristaps' minutes there, and just sort of run through him with triple handoffs, and there'll be less turnovers because you can't bowl through uh, Boban uh, the way you can go at uh, DeLon Wright. So I think that was a nice correction. And, and the way the Mavs didn't fold and the way Luka didn't fold and found guys, and they were clanking there in the fourth quarter a little bit, man, what a performance. I don't know why I ever questioned Luka ever. Uh, he is... That was the most in a playoff debut. I think you have to repeat that, Skeets. Like, that is a phenomenal performance, and that's why I think it's just going to get tougher for him uh, as the series goes along. Uh, but I thought he was great. Yeah, Trey. I love seeing him look like a young player playing in his first NBA playoff games. And then it was also awesome to see that it took all of three minutes for him to adjust, basically, right? Like, yeah. uh, he rolls that ankle. Comes over to the bench and Carlisle's like, hey, this is the NBA playoffs. They're going to knock you down. Okay, great. I'll go score 42 <laughs> points. That's how it's going to be. I guess this is how I'm going to have to be. But uh, I couldn't believe looking at uh, the box score after the game that Kawhi Leonard had had such a good game. You know, he just piles up points, piles up rebounds. You know, it doesn't feel like he's really putting a stamp on the game. But then he hits enough 14-footers in the lane, barely over Maxi Kleba's hands, and suddenly he's putting up a 29-12. and 12. He was great. Paul George was great, hitting a couple of big shots uh, late in the game. And it feels a little bit like the Clippers stole this game, which is weird since they're certainly the favorites and they've got a whole bunch more talent. But that's what it felt like. Both of their stars really showed up when it counted. Yeah, the one thing with Luka, um, unbelievable performance. And he's doing this against a team, again, that has like four guys, some like all NBA, all defensive sort of minded guys that they're throwing at him. Like to do it against like the Nets or whoever would be one thing. To do it against the Clippers, you know, a title contender. Again, with all these defensive guys that can throw at him, it's pretty damn special. But I don't know if you guys caught this. I was I was, I was upset with Luka for this one. Maybe this is like, yeah, his rookie playoff debut, debut showing, uh, you know, his ugly head here. 106-102, Clippers, they're up late in the fourth quarter. Mavericks get a stop. There was actually a bunch of wild sequences going on. Mavericks get a stop. They're on a fast break. Curry, um, Seth Curry, who hit a lot of threes, but is not Steph Curry. He pulls up for a three in transition when the Mavericks had numbers. Luka was wide open in the middle of the paint. And he shoots it, he jacks it, he misses. Clippers go the other way. Now Luka is like, visibly frustrated with Curry's decision. He is doing the like, man, what are you doing? Like, we got numbers. I'm wide open. Give me the ball. That lingers. And while he's complaining all the way back, he sort of loses track of his guy and the Clippers splash a three. That's a huge, you know, swing, point differential there. The Clippers are up four. They're suddenly up seven because it could have been a two-point game if maybe Curry finds Luka inside and he scores. But man, you got to stop Stop doing that. Uh, you know, like, I know you're you're pissed off with your guy there, but he literally was just doing the, oh, what? Come on, man, what are we doing here? And then the guy hits a three in his face. Not really even his face because he wasn't all that locked in on him because he was still complaining to his teammates. So that, yeah, with that and the turnover, some of them sort of ugly. It's like, oh, yeah, like Trey said, it's sort of like, that was a playoff debut for this kid. Uh, but still, damn, you're going to take that playoff debut over a lot of other ones we've seen. So that's yeah. the one thing that stuck out to me because... 
That was huge to me. Like, they still had a chance to win this game. Like I said, they, they could have stole it if you want to give it to them in that way. That was a major uh, botch by Luca. Yeah, yeah, he probably should have gotten the ball offensively, totally. but with a minute left in the game, you got to guard your guy. And the fact that they have Luca guarding the worst offensive player that's usually on the court for the Clippers is another reason that you really can't, like, just let Marcus Morris get a wide-open three in transition to really ice the game. Luca was getting dusted. Uh defensively uh he doesn't really put in much effort on that end of the ball and you know he gets compared to James Harden and that's how James Harden was when he really started taking over for the Rockets and we were seeing clips on Twitter every day of this guy forgetting to guard somebody on a backdoor cut Harden puts in a lot more effort defensively now so surely that will come with Luka as he adjusts to being the number one guy who has to do basically everything for the Mavericks out there it was a wild ending on both sides and, and a reason why I think the Clippers are going to bounce back. And I mentioned, you know, Montrezl Harrell not playing in the bubble at all, hasn't played since March. And Lou Williams being out of the lineup for a long time. Lou Williams missed two gimmies within the last yeah. three minutes. Uh, I think it was on back-to-back possessions where he missed layups. And the guy yeah. just doesn't have his touch right now. And, yeah, that was the the whole back-and-forth sequence where Seth Curry uh, took that shot because it was just like, whoa, we're freestyling now. Yeah. We're not playing ball. Luca, you're not touching this. I'm flying. I'm, I'm letting it fly. And so I think the Clippers are just going to get better. And and w- the, the thing is, Kawhi, yeah, didn't have a, a game that you really remember. Or like you said, Trey filled a box score with 29. But that's, that's Kawhi. He's not going to put his imprint on the series until he really needs to. And that's what he showed with the Raptors last year. So, yeah, a great game for him. But I worry about the Mavs because when Kawhi wants to say, hey, Lou, get out of the way. Hey, Marcus Morris, get out of the way. Hey, I'm taking Luka defensively, uh, which hasn't happened yet. That's going to happen at some point in the series uh, if, if they need it anyway. Yeah. Uh, instead of Beverly taking him, which Luka, Luka was dusting himself, Kawhi's going to bring it. And so I, I worry about the clip. All right, the, the Mavs. Yeah, so you, you, if anything, Tass, think this uh, could be a quicker series now that the, the, the Mavericks couldn't steal that game one, take game yeah. one. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And and the Clips are probably kicking themselves for not um, <laughs> capitalizing on that huge start that they had as well. So they're probably in the locker room and Doc is on them saying, come on, you get out to that big start, you can't lay off. You got you to gotta keep going. And let, yeah. me say this, let me say this before we move on because I want to talk about a good rule really quick. Yeah. Um, since we harped on bad rules, Montrez Harrell, who left the bubble for his grandmother who passed away, was wearing a shirt with the image of his yeah. grandmother on it on the bench. Now, rules in the past, if there, if we were still in you know regular life playoffs, you would not be able to wear that if you're on the bench. But uh, a cool little factor here, or, or a cool little uh, wrinkle, the NBA allowing guys to to do things like that. So that that was that was nice, and uh, I, I enjoyed that rule. Since we love talking about rules, I hate talking about rules, but <laughs> I don't mind talking about good rules. Good rule, NBA. Now, Kane Fitzgerald wanted him tossed. That's what the rumor on the street is. He's like, we can't wear that. You get him out of here. Um, it was a crazy day, day one of the NBA playoffs uh, for. Um, old Armenian men watching basketball because you could call these games after the first couple of minutes. Oh, it's over. 18-2, it's over. Game's over. Well, ultimately, they were right. Same with the Raptors game we'll get to. Oh, this one's over. It's over. Oh, man. Dave Grisham and our old Armenian men love to call a game when it's 4 nothing and it's over. <laughs> uh, all right, let's keep it going here because we want to touch on all these. Jamal Murray helps the Nuggets hold off Donovan Mitchell 135 to 125 in overtime. Trey, why don't you get us started with this one? It's just one game, but. 
It's just one game, <clears throat> but get your climbing gear because we've got ourselves an up and down series. I thought this was just perfect uh, for how things are going to play out. <clears throat> Hold on. It's just one game, but flam, it's, just... <laughs> it's <rampant>. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I got a deep wobbler going on down here. But <laughs> like I'm saying, I just thought this was exactly how this series is going to play out, right? Like we had um, moments where Donovan Mitchell looked completely unguardable. He had two quarters where he went over 17 points, 17 in the second, 22 in the fourth on his way to 57. Are you kidding me? But then there are other times when Jamal Murray looked completely unguardable, 20 points in the fourth quarter and uh, combined with overtime. And, and that to me is just like you're not going to get the perfect level of effort, the perfect level of commitment from either the Jazz or the Nuggets for a whole game, for a whole series. So to see this go really up and down over the course of 48, then 53 minutes, I thought was just perfect. That's why this series seems like it's going to go long to me. Neither team is going to be able to put together offense, uh, I don't think, for an extended period of time uh, completely. And I also don't think that they're going to be able to get stops completely. Um, but it was really fun to watch. Uh, you know, it seemed like Donovan Mitchell was headed for bubble boy of the day. But then the next thing you know, Jamal Murray takes over down the stretch and really made the Nuggets look like a different team. Uh, so, yeah, a fun game to watch. Uh, and this looks like it's going to be an entertaining series. Yeah, Jamal Murray, man. He's the barometer. We talked about it in the playoff preview with this team. When he plays well in a playoff game for the Nuggets, they generally win. When he doesn't, when he struggles to shoot the ball, low efficiency, turnovers, they lose. It's amazing. Uh, the, you know, the stats really, truly back it up. But he was incredible Kitchener's finest made everything was going through him absolutely everything and that moment when we had Mitchell and Murray Tass like trading haymakers in the fourth quarter and it was like why are the other eight guys out there let's like just let these two go one-on-one oh my god was this fun this is gonna be like has this changed your opinion Tass because you were sort of low on this series like in terms of like maybe entertainment factor but wow they came through in game one with the overtime game here yeah, people were coming at me saying that this isn't going to be an entertaining series. I, uh, I guess because I said that. I guess I'm not really pumped about the Utah Jazz offense and then uh, in general, and then Donovan Mitchell. I mean, what what was that? That was ridiculous. Uh, he had he dropped 57, and it was it was so smooth and it was so pretty. There was the one that he went under Nikola Jokic's armpit there, went for a quick sniff and just sort of did that reverse <laughs> scoop shot. Like I've played in a, a few pickups. I, nobody likes talking or hearing about my pickup games, but I've played with some Euros uh, through my days and oldies, some oldie guys had to cover them in the post. I've got my arms up. I got, you know, the, the hair is splaying from my armpits, but guys will go up and under those armpits and it really makes you angry as a defender because that is one <laughs> sneaky move. And Donovan Mitchell was, you know, going full bore, going a lot faster than the 45-year-old the Serbs that I was guarding in the post, but he was, <laughs> he was flying in there and, and that was just, it was a beautiful show. So yes, I apologize if, if I was down on the Utah Jazz. What I do like is that they've already been moved up on Wednesday's schedule. I'm not, I'm not sure if I should say moved up, but they are definitely in a better time slot. They've been swapped with the Raps game. Raps goes first, mm. and the Utah Jazz and Denver goes second. So I think more people will see that because I think less people were were watching this game, and it was it was a show. What are the Jazz going to do, though, after a performance like that? Yeah. I mean, what I was worried about going in was who the heck – is going to score on this team besides Donovan Mitchell. And uh, now, listen, <laughs> I, I don't think anyone's ever uh, averaged 40 in a series win. I, I, I doubt it. I mean, I didn't really do the research, but his numbers are going to come down 
big time. And so where are the other guys going to step up? Jawan Morgan started uh, for the uh, for the Jazz in place of Mike Conley, a rook who's barely played. He was just asked to sit in the corner and hit shots. And he hit a big he hit a big jumper in the fourth quarter. He did. Yeah, he did. He played fine. I just wonder, are you going to give it to Jordan Clarkson who? Uh, it could be him who hit a shot from his ass basically at the beginning of the second quarter uh, when we were in a little squeeze box when we were doing the coach interview. So you, you, you didn't <laughs> you really even see it. <laughs> you could barely see it. Yeah, that was, I, I thought, wow, that's going to be the best play of the day. And then Donovan Mitchell was absolutely amazing going right at Jokic. And he's not he's not afraid of Jokic and he's going to keep going at him. But you could see even in the, the overtime, he just didn't have it. He was passing the guys. He was saying, Joe Ingles, make a play. And yeah. so, um, I, yeah, I, I worry about worry about that and uh they'll probably get better defense like your man Royce O'Neal Trey on um Oof, five fouls. Uh, yeah I, I it just uh, why wasn't he a little bit more on Jamal Murray I understand foul trouble uh, mm-hmm. but Joe Ingles was basically guarding jo- Jamal Murray at the end there you know in those switch situations and that's not going to work <laughs> if Jamal Murray's you know got it going somewhat oh man he was locked in Kitchener's finest what about the um I know I hate to bring it back to the officials, but the eight-second <laughs> violation on Donovan Mitchell. This was the Jazz were up. I mean, the Jazz had this game. They're up four with about a minute forty-five to go. Again in regulation, and Donovan Mitchell called for the rare eight-second backcourt violation, and it was weird because I guess Mitchell and the Jazz maybe had failed to realize that the shot clock was actually starting at 22 seconds rather than the t- 24 because there was like an, uh, like an, an initial defensive rebound from Gobert and blocked and like grabbed and knocked away and out of bounds. So it was actually at 22 seconds and not 24. And he took ownership of that after the game. Mitchell said, I mean, that was my fault. But it was, you know, that's, a, I mean, look, it's another one that doesn't need to be called, Tess, I guess. It's like one of those like, all right, really? Do we have to? But Ooh, yeah. it's bang, bang, him crossing the That one's the line even there. more so. That one's even more necessary to call, though, than the flailing your arms after yeah, okay. disagreeing with a call. It's timing. I mean, I, I don't care if you don't realize that the clock doesn't start for 22 seconds. You can look up at it and see if it says 18 or 17. Well, he did right at the end, I thought. Oh, damn. Yep. Whoops. Oh, crap, 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 crap. I mean, it's huge. It's obviously a huge play, especially with Murray. Because he came, I guess Murray, yeah, flipped that around and then uh, hit a three. And Denver's obviously suddenly right back in the game, down one. That was huge. Well, Tass, just... you said Murray was attacking Jokic. We got to mention that Murray was also putting Michael Porter Jr. into the pick and roll basically every single time down the court. Or, uh, sorry, Mitchell Donovan was. Mitchell was. Yeah. yeah, and that to me was a... That's a warning sign for Michael Porter Jr. He had a nice first quarter, but then he got exposed looking like a rookie as he kept being hunted every single time down the court. Uh, Good on Malone to take him out, though. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but, really? I mean, also, coming into this series, we were talking about this guy being part of the big three, you know, yeah. despite the fact that he's played basically 20 games of high-level basketball in the NBA. Things are different in the playoffs. We saw it with Luka for a few minutes. We saw it, obviously, uh, with Michael Porter Jr. He's got to be able to score for them. He's got to be able to stay on the court for them, help out on the glass. Uh, but if you're getting good minutes from Jeremy Grant, maybe it doesn't matter quite as much. But if you want to raise the ceiling, MPJ's got to be there, given the effort on defense as well. That was wild. That was wild to watch an NBA player just not know what the heck he was supposed to be doing, right? He just looked, especially on the replays, ESPN was really giving it to him. He just looked like he was out on an island. Like, what mm-hmm. What am I doing? Pick and roll, switch, just stay in front of the guy. I, I, I don't know if I'm oversimplifying it, but he just, I guess he didn't know the, the game plan as well. Like, do I go back to my man or stick with mm-hmm. the ball handler? It was... 
it, yeah, that was bad. That was terrible. I'm surprised he even played 31 minutes that he, he stayed out for, for that long. But yeah, Quinn Snyder's got to keep going at him. They have to. Uh, that He just looked horrific. I mean, that has got to be a, something that he is working on right now just to know what he's doing. Because yeah, he, he still looked good offensively. He still can be a bailout guy. He can still score. And he definitely raises their ceiling when he's out there. Has this changed your opinion at all in this series, Tass, after this game one result? You know, Mitchell going for 57, but them still coming up short in overtime. Like, is this going to be a quick series in your opinion? If you're the Jazz, are you happy? Like, okay, well, you know, we grabbed a bunch of offensive rebounds. Go, We could go at Jokic. I mean, we obviously proved we could go at Michael Porter Jr. I mean, we can expose some holes on their de- defense. Man, what do you think? I'm still team nuggets on on this one i still think it's going to be a fairly quick series they also you know if you want to be a a positive pete for the utah jazz yeah the nuggets shot the lights out from the three-point line right uh, over 50 percent, 22 hits Uh, but uh, you know i I still the the things you're weighing there donovan mitchell scores 57 also, I think we, we pulled out probably our, our best strategy here going at Michael Porter Jr. And I think they will adjust already. You know, the, the, usually a, a team can steal a game too because they make adjustments. And I think they've already sort of made their adjustments and Denver can now uh, adjust uh, to those. So I'm, I'm in Denver's corner. But as we said, and why you should watch this series at 4 Eastern on Wednesday. It's going to be up and down. The Denver Nuggets are still going to allow a decent amount of points. Nikola Jokic is still going to let you get to the hole. But, yeah, I'm with you. There's positives to be taken from the Utah yeah. Jazz. I like Monte Morris may not be able to have a game like that. Um, but and, and Jamal Murray will have a 3 for 15 in him. Don't you, <laughs> don't you worry. That, but 57. 57. Yeah. That's, uh, that is something. And... and you know, the the Joker, let's talk about his layup at the buzzer there uh, where he got Rudy Gobert in the air and he missed the the runner. I guess you shouldn't, I shouldn't call it a layup. because no, it, it was tough. I thought I thought Gobert challenged it well. I mean, he obviously did. with his wingspan. I mean, what what are you doing, Jokic? You only hit game winners when you do the driveway dad Dirk. Uh, you just got to be fading away from 20 feet and just throw it up in the air. Those always drop for him. I don't know. Yeah. Don't attack. Don't go to the rim. That's the exact opposite thing you should do. But yeah. And, and he what, had a tiny bit of room too, like right when he got the ball at the free throw line. Rudy was giving him a little room, so yeah. just lean back on that one leg and let her fly. But uh, he wanted to drive. It was just really strange to see Jokic miss a, a clutch shot. Yeah, no. And we should say um, congratulations, I guess, to Mike Conley uh, on the uh, birth of his son, Elijah Michael Conley. He uh, showed us on social media. It was a great photo. It looked like Mike Conley had had the baby. Did you see that, Trey? <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> Just the way it was set up. But it was Miraculous like... Mike, they're calling him in the hospital. <laughs> Getting that skin to skin. Uh, hurry back, Mike Conley. The Jazz need you. Uh, because the Nuggets are theoretically going to be getting more players back, too. At some point, right? Maybe. Gary Harris and yeah. Will Barton. Maybe they'll play again uh, uh, sometime. Uh, but yeah, the Jazz need every bit of scoring they can get, every little bit of help they can get because they got 57 from Donovan Mitchell and they still lost. Yeah. You don't like to lose a game where a guy scores 57 points. No. I mean, and like 57, what is like the third highest scoring output in a playoff game ever, right? After Jordan and Elgin Baylor, I think. Mm-hmm. And it's like for some weird reason, like because we've just maybe what Dame Lillard's been doing over the last little bit, what we've seen Harden do all season, what Luka puts up. 
it's like so weird now that 57 doesn't feel insane to me. Am I alone in this? I, I, like, I almost think we're not making a bigger deal out of it. Uh, the 57 points. I, I don't know. Maybe it's me. 19 for 33. The guy was he was locked in. Um, but we probably won't see Conley on Wednesday, right? Because in accordance with the COVID-19 policies, he's he's at least subject to a quarantine about four days when he returns. Is he returning today? Um, Taz, I don't know if you know this. Like, is he coming back today and then it starts? So he could miss another... He could miss game... Game two he's missing. And right. then game three, I guess, would still be up in the air, right? Well, I'm sure the uh, mother of his child there wouldn't be too upset if he leaves because she wants to lie down in that bed. Mike Conley mm. is just lying down in that bed, <laughs> hold, holding that baby. Hey, let me. I just gave birth to a child. Let me have a seat on it. Uh, yeah, you got to get that skin to skin time. Nice. It was For very, sure. very nice. Very nice photo. But uh, uh, yeah, Conley will help. Um, but at the same time, none of us changed our predictions when we heard that Mike Conley wasn't going to be there for the first couple of games because Mike Conley is. He's going to fill in. He's going to he's going to get his numbers, but he hasn't been Memphis Conley, and so uh, I, 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 uh, that fifty-seven point number is that number is just so much of a bigger factor to me than than the rest of the things that play. Sure. All right. Well, we got two other games from yesterday to break down to play. It's just one game, but with. But first, quick word from our sponsors. Folks, the regular season is fun and all, but one only one thing can compare to the excitement of the playoffs. Day one incredible yesterday, but DraftKings, it's comparable. DraftKings is the leader in one-day fantasy sports. Both basketball and hockey have entered their respective playoffs, and DraftKings is putting you in the center of the action. With millions in prizes throughout the week, there's no better place to make it rain. Start playing for free with your first deposit today. If you haven't tried it yet, daily fantasy sports are very easy to play. You just draft your players, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points based off your player's performance. There's no better way to put your sports knowledge to the test than to compete for millions of dollars in prizes throughout the week. But if daily fantasy isn't for you, DraftKings just launched Best Ball Contests for football season. If you aren't familiar with Best Ball, simply head to the app now and check it out. You can download the DraftKings app and use promo code RUN to play free with your first deposit today. Compete for millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs this week. That's promo code RUN to get a shot at millions of dollars in prizes all week long only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Student debt can be crippling. It's hard not to worry about those big payments you got to make every month, but it doesn't have to be this way. And I'm not asking you to become fully financially literate. You don't have to read a book to lower your student loan payment. I am asking you, however, to take two minutes, two minutes, dos minutos, and check if Ernest can knock down those monthly payments. You could be saving by refinancing your student loan with Ernest. There are no fees. It doesn't affect your credit score, and you could also get a better rate with interest rates that have hit record lows. There are financial rules out there. It seems complicated, but you don't have to know them. You just gotta know <laughs> enough. Trust me, my nickname is Money Mellis. Not because I know everything about dollars. I don't. It's just because I know something. You know more than us. <laughs> Most people know. Yeah. Uh, and that's all you need for a nickname, people. Sign up at Ernest and you get a nickname. Uh, now you can get $100 cash bonus when you refinance a student loan with Ernest.com slash no dunks. Once again, 
get a hundred dollars cash bonus when you refi. That's short for refinance. See, oh, wow. I know that. Oh, you know I, a lot. Money yeah, Alice over here. <laughs> Yeah, that was in the script. I don't. I didn't know that. Uh, <laughs> refi your student loan at earnest.com slash no dunks. Not available in all states. Visit earnest.com slash no dunks for more details. Turns, conditions apply. Earnest student loan refinance loans are made by Earnest Operations LLC NMLS number 1204917. California Financing Law License Number 6054788. I love numbers. 303 2nd Street Suite 401 and San Francisco, California 94107. Visit earnest.com slash licenses for a full list of licensed states. Wow, I can't wait for the... Uh Next movie in the series, Ernest Goes to No Dunks Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, we got to break down uh, Ernest Plays Basketball and film session. It'd be perfect. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, all right. So let's get over to the Eastern Conference. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown combined for 61 points in the Celtics. 109-101 victory over the Sixers. Tass, it's just one game, but. Let's overreact, baby. It's just one game, but Joel Embiid is not a number one option for a championship team. Whoa! Yeah. And there's a few factors here, okay? Uh, Modern-day rules don't really favor a big man. You can see the Celtics sagging down, ready to double at all times. But it's also maybe Joel Embiid just doesn't have the lung capacity just physically. Mm -hmm. He just may not have it to be able to be a Shaquille O'Neal. He's not Shaq. He also doesn't play in that era. But also mentally, he may not be... Uh, the type of guy to demand the ball every single time. There, I think there are a few factors in here, and then everybody wants to throw in the Brett Brown factor. Why doesn't the Sixers coach just give him the freaking ball every time? But I, I think those all those other factors play a part. Maybe that's not Joel Embiid's makeup, really. And I think it's evident year after year after year after year. How many times have we got to say this? How many times is, the, is, is it the chicken or the egg sort of a conundrum that we have to debate here? Is it just not giving him the ball, or is it just not Joel Embiid's makeup combined mm-hmm. with the rules, the zone rules out there? Because as our man John Hollinger pointed out, he received one pass down the stretch of a close game here that they could have won in between the times of 5.53 left in the fourth quarter and 16 seconds. One pass. So is that is that Joel? Is that Brett Brown? I think it's a combination of all those things. But in this era, I, I just you can't trust it. He needs like he had last year a, a Jimmy Butler out there, and they were trying to spread the floor. The closing lineup, which was bonkers to me watching it, was Alec Burks, Matisse Thybul, and then a couple starters in Josh Richardson and, and Tobias Harris to go along with Joel Embiid. They're trying to get as much spread. Uh, but they're basically saying, you other guys, you can shoot. And Marcus Smart is going to, he's going to just shadow you, Joel Embiid, a little bit. And we're not going to let an entry pass get in there. And Joel Embiid went to the three-point line a little bit. Uh, and so all those factors uh, lead me to believe you just need a guard. And maybe it's modern-day basketball, but you just need a guard to sort of initiate a lot more. Because when's the last time a, a, a true post player was a number one option on a team? It's been a while. Uh, I guess it's Tim Duncan. Um, I mean, I, I didn't really, I probably should have actually thought about this, but I assume, <laughs> I assume it's Timmy. And, right, right. and, and so I, I just, I can't just put it on Brett Brown because uh, that guy knows more about basketball than we do. And so I'm pretty sure he wants to feed his best player, but also Joel Embiid's guest. And we've seen year in, day in, game in, game out, 
of years past that he's just not able to carry teams in, in the postseason. So it's an overreaction, but at the same time, I don't think it's an overreaction to say Joel Embiid's not a number one option for a championship team in this era. Yeah, well, I said, I mean, I thought when we were breaking down this series that Embiid basically had to be Monster Lillard, I called him, for the Sixers to win this without Ben Simmons to win this series. And that's going to be a problem because he's twice the size of Lillard, and you said it, Tass, he just gets gassed. Um, he can do it from the first quarter. He was awesome. He was, he was dominant. And you're like, oh, yeah, they don't have anybody can stop him or slow him down. And as the game goes on, he just runs, runs out of energy. And then it is then this weird mixture of, like, what are you doing, Coach Brown? Maybe go to your best player. Hey, what are you other guys doing? Burks, okay, I get it. We need some scoring, but you're shooting even more than our star player. And, hey, Embiid, you got to demand the damn ball. Now, he always talks the right game. Embiid, after this one, Trey says, i got to do more. Whatever the stats are, I've got to do more. I've got one job to do carry us but then he adds i'm gonna need my teammates to help me (laughs) but he's right because uh, you know as many people point this out on twitter this is the difference and tass you were saying it it's like one thing for lillard or a donovan mitchell or even a jamal murray for crying out loud they're the ball handlers they have the ball they're bringing it up they will decide the action because it's already with them the post player in this case in Embiid. You know, it's difficult to get him the ball. I mean, he's got to get deep post position, so he's got to work his ass off on the block to get down low. Then he needs somebody else to actually put the ball into him. I mean, there's too many variables here. Uh, maybe he just needs to start bringing the ball up the court, uh, like, a, <laughs> like a Jokic or something. That would be fun to watch. But, yeah, it's, it's an issue here. He does need to do more for them to win, but I'm not sure he can for 48 minutes, Trey. Same old story for the Sixers. It's a failure on three levels, to be honest. Embiid has to be better. He was great in the first quarter posting up, but would it kill the guy to ever roll to the rim on a pick and roll? It's a pop every single time. He wants the pump fake. He wants to get a guy in the air and then try and draw a foul call. But roll to the rim. Draw some guys in and maybe you'll get an open three-pointer for somebody else on your team. Brett Brown doesn't get super creative, I don't think. He, no. he doesn't um, force the issue with Embiid all the time, but... A lot of that's on Embiid, like on Embiid, like you guys are saying, not necessarily having the the stamina to post up for 48 minutes of a game. And then a lot of this is on Elton Brand, I think, as well, because they lost Ben Simmons, and it looks like nobody else out there on the Sixers knows how to pass the ball. There's no other playmakers, really. I mean, Tobias Harris had eight assists. I'm guessing that's a career high. Like Tass, I didn't check, but it feels like <laughs> it. He's not a natural passer. Alec Burks is not a natural passer. Right. It's like they just don't have that secondary playmaker when Ben Simmons is out. And we saw Embiid had one assist and five turnovers. The guy took 15 shots. That's not enough for him to be taking in a playoff game. But you always hear the same thing afterwards. I need to carry us. I need to be better. You hear pregame, you know, Joel's in a great place mentally. He's looking fit physically. We hear the same things every single time. And then at the end of the game, it's uh, what can we do better? How can we get him the ball more? How can we make things easier for him? I don't know. I think he just has to have the the mindset to go out there and completely dominate and leave the court dripping in sweat, barely able to walk. Yeah. yeah. And they desperately miss Ben Simmons a hundred percent, you know, and, the, and, and the, the, all the company lines there and all the lines from Embiid are why Trey and I picked Embiid as the MVP this season. You know, before the year we, we picked him as our MVP because he said he was done with Shirley temples and he was, you know, done uh, with anything. Uh, well, not everything. I, I like, he, he, like you, you said skates that he, he said after the game, I got, I need help. He also said, I'm done with Shirley, Shirley temples. I've got this new, uh, meal plan but you know i still eat some things like there's there's always and there's always a little okay, give good. and take with joel like maybe he's just not that guy uh but i you know you got to give him a little slack for uh being 
the centerpiece and being the number two, number three, number four option, with, especially without Ben Simmons out there, who they definitely miss so much. And and to be able to guard Jason Tatum on the other end, it would have been nice to have him, even though oh, Matisse yeah. Thibel did a good job. Uh, Tatum was, he was smoking at times. Like you, you said, those first half or the first quarter stats for Joel Embiid, well, Tatum was hot as fire, uh, you know, after... Uh, uh, I, I thought he had a, a tiny slow start, but whatever. I mean, he, the, the numbers started piling up. I guess I guess he wasn't really shooting at all, and then he finally got that one, uh, the mid-range from that Russian spot, and then it was over. I mean, right. he was on fire, and that's why they went to Matisse Thibel. Yeah, no, I mean, it was Jason Tatum carrying the load for early in this game offensively, and then Jalen Brown was incredible in the fourth quarter. I think 15 of his 29 came in the fourth he suddenly he turned into he turned into clay thompson there for a stretch right he's like hitting pull up threes in transition and just like splashing them so that was good now the bad news for the celtics from this game is gordon hayward um coming up limping late with the right ankle sprain he's obviously buggered that ankle before mri i think is today i'm not sure if we uh, have results yet on that but we'll be waiting to find out though didn't look good and you know his past history with that ankle you would think uh, at the very least, he'd be, he's going to miss games here, maybe even this series. I don't think they even were going to miss him all that much, uh, incredibly, yeah. in this Sixer series. Uh, you know, Kemba had a decent game, I, I thought, was was solid. Uh, it was like 19 points, something like I'll, that. Let me, let me say about Gordon Hayward there yeah. for a second. It would be perfect timing if his wife, Robin, had their child right now. Hmm. So he could get out of the right, bubble. Right, right. She's... Uh, uh, her their fourth child she's pregnant with her fourth child I think so it's a boy this time uh first three were girls and uh, gordon's going to leave the bubble at some point It'd be perfect timing they the uh, broadcast was talking about nba players timing the births of their child to be in july or august and yeah. september when they usually have time off it's totally true i think i think that they do because i've definitely oh, thought yeah. about it yeah but yeah we all have to we all have to time our children uh, and so uh, uh, this would be a good time get that ankle right. But yeah, I don't think they miss him. I, I, this we got to talk a little bean down, boys, because they were like like you said there. Um, they're getting. It feels like they are sort of a March Madness. Uh, I don't know this team that comes together. Maybe it's because they got Brad Stevens on the sideline. But it, but it feels like because they're down here in this tournament format, everybody sort of contributing. Guys hitting the floor that are like ninth, tenth on the bench. Uh, it feels like just a nice little recipe for a, a March Madness victory, and they'll be singing one shining moment. Like the, <laughs> there's a potential for that. They're just, they're just. Uh, we said, yeah, before uh, the playoffs that they're being overlooked, and uh, right now they're they're playing really, really well, despite not having an answer uh, for Joel Embiid. It just seems like they're playing too good to not be able to overcome that. Oh, yeah. I mean, watching yesterday's action, Eastern Conference action, all I kept thinking about was like, oh, man, Raptors-Celtics? This is going to be awesome. That's all. That was my biggest takeaway from these two games. It's like, Celtics are beating the Sixers, even though I still think Embiid, somewhere within them, can win them a game or two. And then the Raptors are going to beat the Nets, even though they're scrappy. And I was like, this is going to be a war, I think, between two great coaches, two deep teams, all these wing guys that will like switch and match up on each other from on both sides, you know, good solid point guards. Like this, that that series is going to be awesome. I was just looking ahead to the second round yesterday in the Eastern Conference, but that was a a, a quality win. When you're like, they're young guys, they're two future guys in Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are the best players already. I mean, that's they brought Kemba in to be that guy. Gordon Hayward was brought in to be that guy, and it's not those two guys. 
they're incredibly now, you know, third, fourth, fifth, whatever best players on the team. It's Tatum and it's Brown, Trey. Yeah, but you're still getting that Kemba Love coming in, knocking down the free throws oh, to really it. close things out. Um, in the fourth quarter, you know, Steve Kirby always tells me the team with the best guards wins in March Madness. I don't know if that's actually true, but that's <laughs> something he's always said to me. And the Celtics have a lot of guys who can handle the ball and get shots when they need to. And, you know, they have a, at this point, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are both young players, but they've had a lot of playoff moments already yeah. despite playing just a few seasons. Kemba Walker doesn't have a ton of playoff experience, but you can tell he relishes the opportunity to actually make some clutch shots that actually matter for something. Celtics, they're looking good. You can beat them up inside, but maybe it doesn't matter when those are two-point baskets compared to their three-point baskets and guys that even if you take Jason Tatum out of the game in the fourth quarter, Jalen Brown just catches fire. What are you going to do when there are two wings like that out there that can make plays, can make shots? It's like a junior version of the Clippers, right? That's why people are so excited about the Celtics to see Brown and Tatum both flourishing in the postseason. That's tough. For yeah. sure. And I was pumped to watch Jalen Brown this postseason because he said it a, a few months ago. He said, I'm going to be better in the playoffs. When he had a bad game, he was asked about it. He said, don't worry, I'm going to be better in the playoffs. Talking a big game um, and obviously coming through. And I want to see you know, how him, Tatum, and then, yeah, Kemba, who will basically pick up the scraps. Those three guys basically can just say, I'm taking this possession. This is my possession. Now, I think that sort of sometimes leads to dead zone in their offense. Yeah. Sometimes they go cold, and they did yep. in this. There were stretches. Um, but that's why they're also, I guess, like a, a college team in that it's like, here you go, man. Make it happen. We'll give you mm-hmm. a pick. You'll get the ball. You're just better than everybody else. Just do it. And so, uh, yeah, that was fun to watch. And it was fun to watch Ennis Cantor, I think. Uh, you know, he only played eight minutes, but uh, Trey, you said it. He's some, he's good in the playoffs. And he came through with some some three offensive boards, uh, just giving them extra possessions. It's just such a weird rotation of Daniel Tice, Ennis Cantor, and Robert Williams. Uh, yeah. Anthony Davis. They could use Anthony Davis. They always wanted Anthony Davis. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I think he's an Anthony Davis type. Definitely take him. Oh man, it was nice to see uh, our boy Chief though in the uh, virtual board. You guys see that? They got Chief. What a surprise! If I'm not mistaken, Chief has logged on to the YouTube chat as well. Oh, he must have heard the Beantown Boys music playing. Oh, excellent! So good win for the for the Celtics there. They uh, take game one. All right, final game. Fred Van Vliet leads the Red Hot Raptors to the 134-110 Game 1 win over the Nets. I'll get us started here. It's just one game, but the Raptors' championship has changed me, guys. It's changed me, Uh, (laughs) and maybe not for the better. I don't know if you saw how closely you were watching uh, this game with Twitter going on, but Raptors were up 68-35. to This is a Game 1. The Raptors always lose Game 1, so this was weird. Five minutes to go in the first half, and I'm like, I'm doing it. I'm tweeting the task thumb. I'm, I'm, I'm throwing it out there. I've changed, man. I would have never done this in the past. I've watched a million basketball games. That's a massive lead, yes. It can be gone like that. It can be suddenly you know, a 10-point deficit that the team is down, and that's nothing in today's NBA in a matter of like eight minutes. And I was like, I'm doing it anyway. So I tweeted it, and then I'm like, what have I done? Because, you know, the Nets... Went on the run. As every every game happens in the NBA, the team eventually is going to go on the run. And they had it down to eight. But here's why it's different. Never once was I truly scared, Tass. I was just like, okay, this, this happens. They've caught fire a little bit here. They figured some things out. They, they changed up how, how they were going to use Karis LeVert. That's fine. But you're like, the Raptors are going to still regain control of this game. 
and likely win convincingly, but at the very least, even if it's close, I like the chances, uh, especially with the way Fred Van Vliet was playing. That guy is going to get paid. Oh, my God. And deservedly so. He's so damn good. But this is it. I mean, it's so wild. Your team wins the championship. Suddenly, you have all the faith in the world. I don't care who they're playing, even if it is the lowly Nets. That was, uh, that was an unbelievable first half from the Raps with what they were doing. And Van Vliet going 8 for 10 from 3. I don't think you're going to lose a ton of games when he's doing that. <laughs> Uh, 30 points from Freddie. <laughs> now, I'm uh, I'm on the record for saying if the Raptors win the title, Fred Van Vliet will win finals MVP. <laughs> You're looking good after one game. <laughs> Lock it in. It's yeah. just one game, but Freddie's going to win four finals MVPs in a row. No, it's just one game. Uh, but yeah, Freddie Van Vliet will be the first undrafted finals MVP. I didn't check. Would he be the first undrafted <laughs> finals MVP? It didn't check be. that. No, I, I'm Ben gonna, Wallace didn't ben win. Ben Wallace didn't yeah. win. <laughs> no, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I don't know if we had some some weird rules in the the George Mikan era where guys weren't drafted or something. <laughs> well, didn't they have like Lee. they had like eight rounds in those drafts, didn't they? Yeah, I don't know. Um, so yeah, it's it, it probably would be Freddie. I'm still I'm 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 totally fine with that um, because it's it's sort of a, a, a I'm fine with that prediction because it's kind of a mirror image of what's happening right now. They try and take away Pascal Siakam. The Nets do a really good job of, of focusing on him with, with Jared Allen, uh, just ready to, to be there as a big. And Siakam didn't have a good game. And then Kyle Lowry's their primary ball handler. And uh, he was, you know, he, he, he didn't have a great shooting night, but he did everything else Kyle Lowry does. And so uh, I, I think Fred just kind of, he gets the scraps a little bit. And, and because Lowry's not a scorer, because everybody is so unselfish at times, Fred's going to get shots, and the way they play him, and they drop back in the pick and roll coverage. Good night, Irene. He's going to shoot, and uh, he's he's a different player than he was last year when he struggled for the first couple rounds of the playoffs. And so I'll scale it back, and I'll say Fred will be the Raptors' leading scorer this series. There you go. Um, mm. Because yeah, the way they really get after uh, Pascal Siakam, they did they did a fairly good job on him. But Pascal was also smart and, and passed out of that uh, enough of the time for the Raptors to be successful on an offense. Yeah, and, and again, kudos to the Nets. I mean, they, they got back in this game. They were getting embarrassed. I mean, you said it. Lowry was dominating this game in the first half. I, like, that was just, it was clinical. He just had his, his uh, imprint all over this game. Anything he was deciding to do, we were going to do. He was taking all these charges. He got the Bills' lead up. All these guys got everybody humming. And then the Nets, like, could have just rolled over and died, and they didn't. They, you know, started scrapping at the end of that second quarter, kept it going into the third. And uh, I still think can steal a game here. Uh, I really think, truly believe that. Even though the Raptors are a much deeper team, a much better team, they have like 500 games worth of playoff experience, so they're not going to get flustered. But I actually still believe the Nets could take one. Trey, am I crazy for thinking that? Yep. You think so, eh? Yeah, I do think so. <laughs> uh, you know, the Nets are pretty bad. They don't have a lot of really good players on their team at this point. Uh, they're all hurt, or they have opted out of the restart, but. You know, I think the biggest advantage that the Raptors have is they have Nick Nurse, and that guy is just an incredible coach, man. Like, he had a great plan for Karis LeVert coming out of the game, kind of took him out of the, took him out of things for the Nets to, to start off with, but then the Nets adjust, and they get Karis LeVert going, and then in the third quarter it was like, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to start trapping you basically at half court. Now here are four guys on the Nets who we have no idea who they are. Now they've got to make plays in the playoffs, and credit to TLC, he had another really good game. He's yeah. been great so far in the bub. Uh, he's making his case to be a role player, but if you're 
wanting to get 26 points from Timothy Timothy Luaru Cabarro to beat the defending champion Raptors in a new era where they can win game ones. It's just not going to happen. Um, so, yeah, I mean, maybe the Nets get hot. Maybe the Raptors get cold. Uh, and you can pull off a win if you're Brooklyn, but uh, the Raptors, they're really good. They play together as a team. They've got a lot of guys who can make shots. You know, Siakam hasn't, didn't have an incredible game, but you imagine he will at some points. Yeah, and, uh, and like Fred Van Vliet, the guy just can't miss uh, ever since that, <laughs> uh, the Philadelphia series last year, right? And now he's just, he's just going to keep making shots forever. I know, it's wild. All right, Tash, here's the one question from this uh, game. What was the better pregame moment? Jesse Reyes singing O Canada on top of the CN Tower or the Raptors families introducing the starting five a la the Sun, especially Lowry's kids? What was the better Canadian moment? Uh, well, God, that's, uh, now I'm picking between my children. Uh, I, I, I love me some Jesse Reyes. I always have. Uh, I always send her, uh, her clips around, uh, especially to our friend Jay, who who uh, was a little anti-Jesse at times, but uh, <laughs> but now he's come around as Good. well. Uh, I love her. I love her twang. And so she was great on top of the CN Tower there, but I got to give it to... got to give it to those raps moments. Lowry's kids were great. Marcus Soul's kids were great. I loved his son, uh, his daughter, who... I guess when we uh, we interviewed him, that was back at the New York All-Star Game, so that was... 2015. 15? Yep. Uh, and uh, so she, I guess, you know, is about you know five to six or whatever she yeah. is. She led. She led the Marcus Ole intro, but I love the son just chiming in. Marcus, ah! <laughs> he, just, he just really repeated what she said. Uh, and but and then the OG Ananobi intro. Uh, <laughs> that was, was amazing. <laughs> yeah, just dead straight. OG Ananobi. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> so good. So yeah, that was. Very heartwarming. Very, very heartwarming. Yeah. Trey, did you have an opinion on that? Which one was better? Who's Jesse Reyes? Is this a <laughs> notable Canadian artist? Yeah, she's making her making her way around the U.S. of A. as well. Okay, um, okay. Yeah, maybe I'm giving her more. Yeah, yeah, I love her. I love well, her, and she's around, yep. Well, you know, maybe I'll check out her catalog as soon as we're done recording this but for me that Lowry moment was great how are you ever going to lose a game after your family introduces you teams should do this for every single right, game right everybody gets fired up right Lowry's like yeah he was so pumped Lowry he was, was happier than when he won the championship last year uh so I don't know run it back every single time you know the the families are at home they've got the time to whip together some sort of intro and I'm, clearly the players love it as well would you guys do the edge walk like Jesse was up there singing the uh, anthem up top? Yep, there's, there's a photo of her taking the knee too. I should have pointed that out as well. Um, I've done this before a long time ago. It was like actually when it sort of first opened. Would you guys do this, either of you? Pick and pay off? Pick and pay off? Uh, <laughs> okay, yeah. For a pick and pay off, I would record a podcast from the top of the CN right. Tower. Yeah, I'm not sure. a heights lover. You know, I'm not seeking out heights. I'm not necessarily terrified of them but i don't want to be hanging off the edge what's up guys yeah yes. rather be in a plane up there i've done the glass floor on the cn tower got no problem with that looking okay. down it's indoors but you're looking all the way down to the ground right. walking on a glass floor yeah it's just so different being outside um so i also not a heights lover but I'm not a heights hater. Okay. At the same time. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we're just heights agnostic over here. They happen. <laughs> heights happen. 
If we can all do a podcast up there, we should make that happen. I like that. It's going to be real windy on the mic, though. Very, very windy. windy. It was was a lot of fun. I would definitely do it again. You feel very, very secure. I feel like I've talked about this on the podcast before. I almost felt too secure. Like, I was too locked in. Like, there was no concern of mine, like, oh, this could rip or let go and I'm done. I was like, I'm like three times linked in here. Like, nothing's happening. So I almost was like a little disappointed. It wasn't as scary as I thought it would be. It was very cool, though, because the air show was going on the day I was doing it. So they were like, it felt like you could reach out and touch like a fighter jet, like blowing by. It was, that was pretty wild. Uh, I just felt so damn close. Yeah, that part was actually creepy. You want to get ripped off the CN Tower, grab a fighter jet while you're up there. (laughs) No, I just grabbed onto it. I came back, they dropped me off. Had great balance. Was it, the, uh, was it the end of the exhibition of the old CNE? Yeah. Is that yeah. what was happening? Yeah, it was right around there. It was like, what's that, like September or something like that? Yeah, I think it was. Labor, yeah. Labor. yeah, because yeah, Nora definitely got me that edge walk, which is what it's called. Um, yeah, for my birthday. So it was like end of August, early September. So And you want, you're want you a thrill seeker. You want to be able, you want oh, to yeah. be feeling it a little bit, right? You want to be feeling a little, a little scary in the pants. Like totally, that. totally. I mean, look, look, I should say like I was like, you know, like, like doing a handstand out there or something like that. But I wasn't like, after like the initial first minute, like you're like, whoa, this is wild. We are standing outside the CN Tower right now. Oh my God, we're high. Then you just feel like, because then you start doing the whole thing, like, like you're leaning back, you got your heels on the side. Like, like if they would have let me, I would have like just straight up swung. You're not allowed to, but like you can just swing <laughs> out, you know, like you're locked in, man. You ain't going anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. But that's good. I guess you want that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're the just first a minute is scary. And after that, you're like, just unclip me. One clip. Undo well, it. I just like, uh, like, can I use a uh, tray skipping rope here instead? You know, like make this a little exciting. But uh, yeah. Yeah, right. I like I like Bo Maxwell's term here for for Trey and I. We're height tolerators. Height tolerators. <laughs> I'm a height tolerator. It's a good way to put it. It's a good way to put it. All right, let's uh, let's move on from the games. There, we've got four more coming up today. Little pick'em update. Speaking of the pick'em, um, just so you guys know, maybe you're just catching this. And you didn't hear us talking about this before. The Grizzlies covered the line in the play-in game way back on Saturday. Saturday feels like a week ago, but it was a couple days ago. So that was a big win for Lee and I. We took the Grizzlies to cover. They, of course, lost the game, but they covered. So tough L for Tass and Trey. They're tied. So you guys have to pay off um, your bubble loss here because the seeding games are done. We're not going to be doing pick them during the playoffs. It's something we just don't do. Um, But get your suggestions in, guys. Anyone on YouTube right now in the chat, email us, nodunksatthealthlet.com. Hit us up on Twitter at nodunksinc. Suggestions for the two of these guys, Tass and Trey, to do their um, pick them payoff. If you got something good, let us know. All right, let's get to Tweet of the Night. Mm, tweet of the Night. Wow. Twitter. All right, Tweet of the Night. Uh, you know, no Lily here, but we're going to take turns with this throughout the playoffs anyway. I'll get it started. I'm going to give it to at J. Tyler Conway. Just because I thought he presented it the best. There was a million <laughs> people showing this, but he wrote... LeBron just debuted the Toon Squad jersey he'll wear in Space Jam. We have the video, I believe, JD. Here it is. Trey, opinions on the new Toon Squad look. What do you think of this jersey? Oh, I'm up on this. Teal really? orange, the colors of the Louisville Dolphins? I gotta support it. <laughs> My question, though, is like, why is LeBron so serious in this little promo? He's looking like he's going out there to win Game 7 of the NBA Finals not save 
the Looney Tunes from the Monstars. Have a little smile, man. You're talking about hanging out with Bugs Bunny? Yeah, it's a new it's... legacy, man. It's a serious legacy, I guess. What do you think, uh, Tass? I wondered at first if it was an animated LeBron. It, d- it does look animated. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. But is that just because it's like not the highest quality of this clip that they were sharing last night? I don't know. Uh, yeah, maybe it's just because of the the green screen going on. Yeah, if, yeah. Uh, if it is, I don't know. I'm but what do you think of the jersey, guy. though? What do you think of the jersey? Um, I love the colors. Uh, you know, even as a Bills fan, I was a Bills fan. <laughs> I'm okay with the Dolphins colors out there, but okay. uh, I'm not. I'm not in love when the shirt connects with the shorts. The 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 pattern on the shirt connects right. with the shorts. And it's even, uh, it's a little bit off. You can see on the left part of it, it's not in line. Who cares? But uh, listen, I'm okay. And then the font, the font just doesn't, it doesn't go with it to me. Right, There's I just agree. too many things, um, but whatever. Uh, it's a tune squad. I like it better than the, the first one. I, think. I can't wait for the Monstars rollout later today. <laughs> Who's going to wear them? That's what a question, you know? Who's going to debut it? Will it be right. Smash? I don't, I don't know. know. Is that one of the monsters? Uh, I'm wondering, is Michael Jordan going to be involved in this at all, do you think? Do no. you think he's going to have a little cameo role? I don't think so. I don't know why I think that. I just like... <laughs> no, I just don't think he will, Trey. But you, it makes sense that he would like suddenly be in it. Him and Bill Murray, right? Like something. Sure, you know? yeah. But I don't I think mean, are they going to pull in Newman? Are they going to bring back all the oldies? Or is this a completely new legacy? I think we'll get a little Jordan shot. I think so, too. I, lock it in. What's really? the point of doing it if they, if you don't bring back Bill Murray and Michael Jordan? Like, well, well, what's, what's Jordan going to do? Like, they're just going to go to, like, uh, who's Bugs is going to go or Daffy Duck's going to go. Who's going to save us this time? And they show... Like Michael Jordan smoking a cigar, and yeah. he like looks at the camera and says, "I'm too old for this shit." You I'm know, too like, old. I'm too busy with something. One shot of him, if he's not in okay. it, then what's the point of any of it? Like, it just yeah. doesn't make sense to me. Like, like a, as a throwaway line, like a gag. Yeah, a, joke. a cameo. Yeah. It's just a cameo. Yeah, but, you oh. might be right. I don't will know. Will MJ enter a film? where he is not the superstar, mm. you know, where, where somebody else has taken, where, where the guy who is, quote unquote, you know, taking his role as the goat or attempting to take his role as the goat, and then he features it? It just, just doesn't seem like MJ to me. I don't know. I think he could steal the whole movie. One shot, one scene Ooh. could make the entire movie. So he, That's he's, not how he's, he would see it, though. Well, no yeah, way. maybe. Well, he should be worried because LeBron's going to outact his ass. That's for sure. Uh, LeBron yes. can act, so that part's good. But good start for MJ here. These jerseys suck. They're not as good as uh, the original Tune Squad look, in my opinion, that MJ had. So uh, <laughs> I can't wait to see if he's in it now. Let's hear from the YouTube chat. And everybody out there listening to the podcast a little bit later, hit us up on Twitter. What do you think of those jerseys? And... Uh, well, we should really just get the poll going, I guess, at some point, uh, Trey. Maybe we're, sure. a little, maybe we're a little early on this. <laughs> I don't know when uh, New Legacy comes out. It's probably not till next summer. But, uh, yeah, will MJ be in there? Okay, we're going to end every uh, sort of podcast here through the playoffs with a look ahead quickly. I mean, games are starting in a couple hours. Tass, what's like our game of the day or if you want to take us to the schedule? Well, we had all four favorites win on Monday in day one of the NBA playoffs. So I'm very much looking forward to the Blazers who have been playing good ball, obviously getting a lot out of Damian Lillard, getting a lot of out of their entire rotation, really, going up against a Lakers squad in the final game of uh, the Sked on Tuesday and, and see if they can upset them because 
this would be the game to steal from the Lakers, even though they're six and a half point favorites uh, coming out the gate. The Lakers have not been shooting all that well. LeBron, despite wearing that beautiful Toon Squad jersey, has not been playing to his capabilities. And so this would be the game, right? I'm just mm. looking forward to uh, a potential upset here because this uh, four-way quad header here, whatever you want to call <laughs> it on TNT, uh, you know, you definitely have to favor the uh, the favorites. <laughs> I guess that's why they're favorites. Uh, for for a couple of the first games, you know, the Milwaukee game, yep. even the, the Miami-Indiana game, uh, the OKC-Houston game, it's interesting. Ooh, that's the spicy. series we're all looking forward to going long, but... Portland, can you come out hot and uh, and try and get the Lakers down one because they have to win early in the series, as as we talked about. But I doubt it. I think the the Blazers' offense is going to be, or the Blazers' defense, I should say, is going to allow the Lakers to get hot uh, pretty early. And the Lakers still playing good defense in the bubble when they want mm-hmm. to, and mm-hmm. I think people forget that. So they'll they'll get on Dame, but you know they're going to miss Avery Bradley. But uh, yeah, that's the one I'm looking at. Will anybody? Outscore Donovan Mitchell today, Trey. Wow. Today? Today? Like, yeah, today. Could be a Giannis, a Harden, uh, you know, uh, a Dame, uh, Anthony Davis. Like, it's so... I'm going to say no. I'm okay. going to say no, but we're going to be talking about James Harden possibly getting close. I think uh, lock okay. me in for a 20-something point first half saying, oh, could he get Mitchell's record? Okay, okay. Not record, but could he get Mitchell's yeah. number? Uh, but ultimately falling short. There can't be that many plus 56 games in like a week. I mean, I guess there can. The gym apparently is a shooter's gym. Yeah. Uh, so, I don't know. Harden could hit 15 threes in a game. Next thing you know, we're talking about him scoring 82 in a playoff game. <laughs> probably, probably. Uh, final thing before we go here. How did you guys tackle yesterday's schedule? Uh, because we weren't doing the live show after. Did anybody bank games, watch them a little later in half the time, maybe this morning, or did you just sort of power through tasks like with watching all four basically live? What did you do yesterday, or what are you doing today? You want to hear about my kids? I'll tell you about my kids. Everybody oh, likes boy. hearing about kids. Uh, because I have a, a child or two, uh, I banked uh, the <laughs> third game when it was bedtime. Watched the first two live. Third game, wasn't able to go live. Yep. Uh, you know, drop some uh, some stories, threw some basketball puns in there just to entertain myself while the, the Sixers and Celtics were banking. <laughs> and then I actually I went to bed uh, after I caught up, watched the first half of the Clippers Mavs and went to bed. Oh, wow. Uh, you did that. Classic a, move. Caught the yeah. second half this morning, did you? I did. I did. Don't know how I feel about it. It's hard. It's It's like doing a show at night. You're pumped. You're amped. It's hard to just turn it off as soon as it hits buzzer in the second quarter and just go. It's, it's you're just too amped. <laughs> but but I did it. I, I did that last night. I I love these nine o'clock starts for the east for the east coast because like you know we generally get like the ten o'clock starts and then you're up super late for that final game. But you know the thing's done in three hours. You're going to bed by midnight, so that's not too bad. And that game was entertaining, and we had the drama of obviously Porzingis. So I I stayed up for that one there last night there, Trey. Come on, guys. It's day one of the playoffs. Yeah, it's yeah, day right. one of the playoffs. You're tired already after one day of a full playoff schedule. But you know what? It doesn't feel like year. day one of the playoffs. That's the weird thing because all those bubble days were, 
you know, four games on all day, if not more. There was like six, seven games on all day. That like felt like playoffs every day, even though the stakes weren't as high. So it feels like we're already two weeks plus into the playoffs. Yeah, you can't deny that. Yeah. And I wonder, I honestly wonder if that's maybe part of the reason Porzingis got ejected was that the referees forgot that they were refereeing playoff games. Because I have to keep reminding myself, right, the games look and feel the exact same. Uh, so maybe they forgot uh, that we should keep the best players in the game for when it really matters. But uh, I wasn't all the way straight through. I was, it, to me, it was the first Saturday of the playoffs. It just happened to come on a Monday. There you go. Guys, we'll be back tomorrow, 10 a.m. Eastern, live on YouTube to recap all of today's action and big news. Keep your emails coming, nodunks at theathletic.com or tweet them in at nodunks and Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, the Monstars' names in the original Space Jam were Pound, Bang, Not, Bupkis, and Blanco. <laughs> Embrace the day, people.